Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Hey, want to get the best deals possible on preparedness items locally and online? Check out the American Preppers Network Buyers Club Membership, APN Gold. APN Gold members get exclusive benefits including access to discounts and specials to the best preparedness stores on the web. Save big by getting APN Gold today. Online at APNGold.com or dial 1234-JOIN-APN. That's 1234-JOIN-APN or APNGold.com. You've just joined the Prepper Broadcasting Network, where we promote self-reliance and independence. The views and opinions expressed are strictly those of the host or their guests. Visit us in the interactive chat room at PrepperBroadcasting.com. to the Prepping Academy. I'm Forrest Garvin. We got Kyle across the table from me. We are live on Friday nights on Prepper Broadcasting Network. Um, if you're over, if you're on Blog Talk Radio, go over to um, PrepperBroadcasting.com and we have a live chat room going on right now. And there are people in there. Chen's in there. Several of our, our, our peeps are in there. So go over to that's prepperbroadcasting.com. If you're not listening to us live, just know that we are live every Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time um, at prepperbroadcasting.com. Um, and our website is preppingacademy.com. You can find information about myself. Kyle has yet to turn into a bio. We've been doing this for about three months plus. And you oh, yeah. Where is that bio? That name? bio. Well, I'm working now, so I mean, when I can fit it in. <laughs> it, we need people need it's to see a, a photo of it's you. It's OPSEC. I OPSEC. A, no, dude. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
So anyway, Kyle, how was your week this week? It was interesting. I mean, it worked. It's cold. It is. It is colder. Flipping cold. I hate winter. I love it, but it is cold. It is like damp and nasty and cold outside. Um, yeah. I, did, did I tell you about the prepper I came across this week? No. The guy with the dog? Guy oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Guy, got a beautiful dog. Uh-huh. But you ever just come across those preppers that just, it's more like they're playing the part. They just think that they're like some high-speed, low-drag, tactical ninja, mall cop type, you know, <laughs> wearing their wearing all their tactical gear, going out for a walk with their dog. And I tried to say, hey, nice dog. He's like, don't bother me. Like, you know, like, oh, come on, dude. Like, just you can chat a little. Nothing's, ha- nothing's hit the so fan So did he yet. have prepper on his hat? I mean, how did you know he was a prepper? He, he had like your typical like Velcro hat. He didn't have anything on it. He had like his... His five one one gear on, and all of it was like brand spanking new. It was, it was more like he just wanted to go out and show off the dog and look cool. So you're saying, okay, prepper hat is a Velcro hat with patches can be put on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A paracord bracelet. Yeah. And if you have any five eleven equipment, you yeah. are. Yeah, I mean, a he wasn't military. He was like, if he was, he 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 was very out of shape. So we know how to identify a prepper yeah. now. Yeah, but he was just very. Uh, hate say douchey but just like i just want to talk about your dog like just just tell me like where, where was your breeder schmuck <laughs> and this is one of your neighbors right yes yeah, one of my neighbors isn't it awesome how we can just talk about our neighbors and they don't even know that we're on yeah. the radio oh yeah yeah it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty great we're telling millions of well thousands <laughs> Hundreds, ten. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's my wife and your wife, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if my wife says. I don't think so. So, um, oh, so about, I've been sick, so I'm getting over a cold. So if I sound a little nasal, you always sound nasal. Oh, do you, come do you on. not hear yourself? No, yeah, shut up. <laughs> don't make me come over there. <laughs> I know I sound bad on the radio. Um, oh, so tomorrow. I got a big day. I'm going. I, I, I'm going to. You know, I have a 5K tomorrow. Yeah, you, you told me this earlier. Yeah, I was pretty impressed when you told me you had a 5K. Yeah, I until got a 5K you, until tomorrow. You told me you were going to be watching. Oh yeah, I'm not running. No, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, that's. You say you're going to go watch a 5K. <laughs> I got a 5K. Yeah, I got a 5K, man. Yeah, that's a, that's yeah. like me saying I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the range. And like people think I'm gonna go shoot, mm. when in fact I'm just I'm going to the golf range. Right. And I'm yeah. gonna watch people hit balls or something. So I'm going to then I'm going to cook barbecue all day. Yeah, but you know what? There is one thing you told me that kind of perturbed me. What's that? Well, you told me you're gonna go caroling, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. The idea of you singing is like I don't sing, I don't sing, but I will participate and stand in the back. But yes, yeah, I, I, I will. I'm going to go caroling tomorrow night. I'm actually going for the food because there are two food stops. Dude. <laughs> and so it's supposed to be real cold and rainy. And if it rains, it's just food stops only, dude. Or just so I'm taking a risk. Yeah. Of the caroling of you know. Or staying. you just stay at home. Yeah, but I like other people's food a lot. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I can agree with that. You, can, you follow me? Yeah, I mean, all I had today was chicken soup, and you, you started showing me oh, pictures right. of the burger you had today. I know that was we went. That was awesome. Some fried pickles. Oh, by the way, what are you going to eat when you get home? <laughs> yeah, yeah, funny, funny man, funny man. But you know, it is more, not the same thing I ate earlier. Well, that's what your wife said. Yeah, no. More, no more chicken soup. Yeah, no. I had a big old hamburger. It was called White Trash. We had fried pickles. 
then we went in this room where you had to break all these codes and get out. I had a pretty good day. You know what we should do? We should do at least one show where I get to roast you. Because it would be so easy sometimes. To roast me? Dude, that's just not allowed. That's in the, like, that's we, in the contract. We can do it. It's in, in the contract right here. Five minutes. No roasting for us. <laughs> right, so can, I, can I talk about my conspiracy theory yet? Okay, wait, wait. I got to okay. set it up. Okay. Kyle, what is your conspiracy theory of the week? Wait. Dramatic music here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need, get, you need to get working on that. Yeah. So what is your conspiracy theory this week? There's been a lot of people chatting about uh, the pyramids in Antarctica, of all places, which I think is kind of interesting. They've shown a lot of uh, Google Earth images and images from the um, which call it the research facility that's down there. Different scientists all take photos, and it's supposedly some of this ice is melting. It's revealing what they believe could be step pyramids. Now, as to whether or not anyone's actually researching them, that's kind of here or there. I personally, that's the conspiracy theory. It's, okay. it's interesting. I personally think it's most most likely it's being caused by the winds. I, oh, I, so you don't believe? I, I don't. The other night, I don't believe. But you were showing me photos, and I'm I like, don't believe it because I, I think honestly, I think it's from because you can't sit there like our mountains. Mm-hmm. You know, from we'll, we'll, we'll go from a scientific point of view would be caused by. Um, Tectonic plate movement mm-hmm. and would be caused by glacier displacement. Actually, you know, carving into right. the rocks and like that's what most people would subscribe to. But Antarctica is kind of down there by itself. So we're, other than you know the glaciers that already exist, the glaciers that would have been there previously would have had to have been massive. But there is some t- uh, scientific evidence to say that there was actually at one point you know a rainforest down there. So something obviously happened where the Earth tilted. Got yeah, you said that the other night, the rainforest down there. See, when you said pyramids, first thing I thought, okay, if there were pyramids, people actually built pyramids down in the Antarctic. We, they, let me ask you this. Where's the oldest pyramid that we know in existence? You would say Egypt, right? You don't know what I would say. I you, would say not Egypt now. <laughs> precisely. But most people don't realize that there's actually oh Inca the Inca pyramids no, no? it's not even the Incas okay they're, they're actually in uh, Bolivia the Floridians I want to say that there's <laughs> one in Bosnia okay that predates the Great Pyramid there's ones cool. over in Crimea uh, the Ukraine actually there's a lot over in Crimea okay but there's other civilizations that have existed previously I mean actually underneath one of the pyramids in Egypt they found uh, a substructure that predates it by hundreds and hundreds of years that's actually in Paleo-Hebrew. Do you know there's even sites in America that actually contain Paleo-Hebrew uh, versions of the Ten Commandments? No. Yeah. Hmm. And it would predate every other civilization that we know of. So anyways, it's interesting, but, you know... The pyramids in the Antarctic. The main thing I think is interesting about it, though, is you know, for years there's been speculation. There's even FBI documentation that's been declassified that proves that the Nazis were researching in Antarctica. And there was a lot of theories that they actually took their fleets and were sending people down there hmm. on a regular basis. Okay. So you don't believe that there are pyramids? You think there's just natural formation of <clears throat> wind, rock? I, I think it's winds. Okay. Yeah. See, I thought... If someone went down to Antarctica and built a pyramid, that that's a, that that race died, and they should have. 
<laughs> because who in the world would want to go down there yeah, I mean, and build it, a pyramid? Some people have their theories, like, oh, it's Atlantis or it's this mm-hmm. or that. I'm like, hey, you know, we're all gonna we're all gonna die in a nuclear holocaust anyway. So what does it matter <laughs> yeah. at this point anyway? Right? Thanks for telling. Can you tell me the date? So I mean, because I am preparing for something. I, mean, I just don't know be, what it is. It's gonna be sometime after January twentieth. Oh, <laughs> what? You're so funny. Now, is no. this another government conspiracy, the tw- January 20th? No. We well, can't go there, but... Yeah, I mean, well, you kind of... I told you about the web bots thing and, and kind of some of the oh. predictions that are out there about, you know, by January 20th. You've got to get off Alex Jones's website. Yeah, it was not on Alex Jones. You and Alex Jones, y'all have like a weekly conference call. I know. I mean, what I do with my time is my business. <laughs> I get more listeners on there. No. <laughs> Dude, oh my goodness. So, um, so that's your conspiracy theory. I can't wait till next week. So I, I want to pick one, except I just don't believe any. No, no, no. you're not very. You don't. No, I got to see dynamic. facts. I got to see facts. Yeah. And a lot, of, a lot of these. But something you said, I told someone today. Something you said a long time ago has really, I've yet to forget it. No, what's up? You said that every conspiracy theory has some facts. Oh, absolutely. That bothers me, because you go and look at you know look at the nine eleven, you look at all these conspiracy theories, and there seems to be that. So I don't know, not that that makes the conspiracy theory true. They just twist it. Well, well, don't forget what I told you weeks and weeks ago about what a conspiracy theorist is and how that even got started. That's only to discredit people who are trying to question what the official story is supposed to be. Mm, Okay. We got a special guest on the line with us tonight that's going to join us. Guys, I met this guy, I guess it was three years ago at Prepper Camp. His name is Rick Austin. He does, he leads, it's probably the largest prepper gathering in the United States. I'm not sure. Um, It's in um, Saluda, North Carolina. Um, The first year I went, it was amazing. Unbelievable teaching, great price, great people. And um, I learned there that he was on um, Doomsday Preppers, him and his wife. They scored very high, one of the highest scores on Doomsday Preppers. He's written many books, and so has his wife. We actually had his wife on. Yeah. And she was awesome. Mm-hmm. And he had a lot of listeners to that. We have Rick Austin. He is um, on the line with us. Rick, are you there? I'm here. Awesome. So, Rick, I was, um, as you just heard kind of your intro, that I, you know, you put on prepper camps, and I, I know I probably didn't want to start with this, but it is such a fast, I mean, it's such a part of the preppers in North and South Carolina, is that every other event that we do is is around prepper camp. And okay. so we don't do, like, big things in the fall because we know that we're going to prepper camp, and every year we've taken a group of people, but how, I mean, Tell us about yourself before we get into that, though. But you're—I mean—you're an amazing guy. You've been doing some amazing work in this in this area, and we just just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got lucky enough to find Jane. <laughs> um, that, how much time do we have? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'll I tell you, I've, I've been uh, a per, a prepper. Uh, before they coined the term as a survivalist, uh, before they coined that term too, uh, you know, I kind of, kind of grew up as a Boy Scout and uh, grew up in, in New Hampshire, 
Oh my um, gosh. And I lived through lots of uh, winters where, you know, you would uh, lose power for a week at a time due to an ice storm and uh, you'd have to, you know, be able to heat with wood and cook with wood and take your stuff out of the refrigerator and freezer and put it outside. So, you know, I've, I've been dealing with, um, with disasters, uh, you know, my entire life, one form or another natural, you know, whatever. And, um, it just, it just kind of, it's part of my entire psyche is to, you know, hope for the, for the best, but plan for the worst. And, uh, hopefully, uh, you'll be okay no matter what happens. And then where did you meet Jane? I mean, his wife is Survivor Jane, and a lot of ladies know her. They follow her. But, um, I mean, you guys make a good team, and not many people are as fortunate as you are in having a spouse that has a like mind. Yeah, um, you know, we've both kind of been into the preparedness thing for a long time, and she kind of came into it as a result of, you know, things that I told her and things that I taught her, and she – she was a skeptic. Uh, you know, she started off, uh, when I met her, she was just a city girl, you know, working at a corporate job. So was I at the time. Um, you know, I was working at a corporate job too, but, um, you know, I, uh, I heard you guys talking about, uh, uh, conspiracy theories and all that other sort of stuff. And, um, you know, I've always, uh, been skeptical of what's going on in the government and things that are happening and, uh, you know, always concerned about uh, natural disasters as well. So, you know, she she did a lot of research and and uh, realized that you know a lot of what I was saying was right and there was some truth to all of this. And um, I think it started to concern her too. And she know knew that she needed to to be on board. And the more she learned, the more she realized that um, this wasn't normal for a woman to be even looking at this and that's how she came about uh, you know starting her survivor gene website where she could speak in, in terms that women could understand um, all of these questions about preparedness and survival and uh, you know disasters and how to prepare for them um, when you know most of the male websites out there or male oriented websites were about guns and ammo and, uh, and, and camping equipment, um, you know, most of the women were kind of turned off by that. So she talks to them in, in terms they can understand. And, um, you know, it, it has been great because, um, you know, she and I both constantly get asked by people that we meet in the preparedness community that say, you know, how do I get my spouse on board? How do I get my wife on board? So, um, yeah, it is, uh, it's, it's a great thing to have because um, it makes it a lot easier when you're both pulling you know, in the same direction instead right. of one person pulling and the other one being an anchor. Right. Well, you know, I was, as you were saying that, that's, that, I mean, we're actually have our show. You remember, I don't know if Kyle, if you remember this, but our next show is about how to talk to family members. Oh, yeah. yeah. So maybe we can bring Jane in on that about how to talk family members, convince them. And, and I said a 357, you said, well, I, I usually like duct tape or gorilla tape their arms to a chair, and then I start playing a bunch of Alex Jones videos. And, uh. um, you know, I was looking at your you were you were on Doomsday Preppers. You've been a consultant for many prepping shows. You've been in, featured in magazines. You've written books. I mean, you're like, uh, you know, if someone said, "Hey, who's 
leading the you know the prepping movement right now, at least on the East Coast, I would say it would be Rick and Jane Austen. And you guys are just kind of spearheading it. And that's, I mean, I'm thankful for people people like you for sure. But is that something you wanted to do, or you set out to well, do, or you just know, go ahead? It's it's always it's kind of been our sort of adopted ministry. I mean, um, mm-hmm. you know, we we got off the grid, and we are for all practical purposes retired. Um, you know, we don't have to make a paycheck because uh, we really don't spend a lot of money. Um, you know, we we produce our food. We're not consumers. You know, we're producers. So, um, you know, besides the garden, and the greenhouse, and the livestock, um, you know, we're essentially living off grid in a uh, in a solar home um, that's heated by the sun. And um, you know, we've got uh, wood stove as a backup. But with all the things that I've got going on from an engineering standpoint, that are actually quite simple, um, you know, we're able to uh, to survive. And we've lived through, um, you know, every winter that we've had here. Um, and I think we probably used the wood stove maybe uh, maybe five or six times during the winter. And the rest of the time was all, you know, um, heat that came as a result of uh, our greenhouse being attached to the home and, and having a really, really efficient house. So, um, you know, we've, we've been doing this and trying to teach other people because invariably when I've given talks about, you know, the garden and that sort of stuff, everybody wants to know how to do it themselves. So, um, you know, how do I do that? How do I do that? And that's where we, we started writing books about uh, what we're doing. And, um, you know, the Doomsday Preppers thing was something that, you know, we had been involved in the show, and particularly Survivor Jane, she's been involved in helping them market their shows for years, and they begged us every year to be on the show and we refused because we just didn't like the way things were going. And the uh, after the third year, we had a conversation with the producers and um, said, you know, you really ought to be be focused on what people can actually do. And right. You ought to have it, you know, show people how to do this stuff because that's what people want to know. It's not the sensationalism, the the nut jobs, um, and uh, you know, instead of having multi billion dollar um, prep preps. Um, you know, show people how they can do what they do. Because we had, we had actually done something that show that year where we, um, in the third year, where they had these guys that had these hugely expensive preps, and we showed how to do oh, yeah. the very same mm-hmm. things cheap, you know, yep. on their website. So, um, you know, anybody can do this stuff. Anybody can prep. You just have to have a, a different mindset. And um, ultimately, if you really want to survive – uh, no matter what happens in the world, or you just want to be more self-sufficient and not be uh, tied to the, you know, food, electrical, commercial uh, grid, you've got to become a producer. You've got to right. produce your own food. You've got to stop being a consumer and thinking that you're going to buy your way out of every crisis and uh, just store up enough stuff and buy enough stuff. You've got to know how to do things. Yep. Um, you know, not just... Uh, grow crops, but know how to fix stuff, you know, and uh, become a MacGyver. And the, the, um, the farmers that I know, um, were the, were the initial engineers out there, you know, they know how to take this piece of this and this piece of that and that piece of this and put it all together and fix something when they don't have a part to do it with. Yep. So one of the things I teach, um, when I teach, um, the prepper groups around is, um, 
that it is harsh, but it's just true. Preppers die if you do, if you can't produce. Um, and and part of producing is is using some heirloom seeds where you can reproduce as well the food with the food that you currently have. And so that's a that's an art. A lot of preppers just store food back, but that's just not enough. I mean, I well, even agree with you. Even the folks that are storing seeds, you know, if they've never grown anything in their lives, the time to learn how to do that stuff is not when there is a crisis and uh, we have, mm-hmm. you know, the, the end of the, you know, rule of law and, uh, you know, we've got civil unrest and power grid goes down for a year. The time to figure out how to do all that stuff is not when there's a crisis. You need to be doing it beforehand so you know you know how stuff grows and you know how to grow stuff and, you know, what a, what a plan actually looks like. Um, <laughs> yeah, Kyle keeps jumping on me about my garden. I yeah. got a I got a little four by yeah. ten with like very little sunlight. He tells me he grows a uh, what was it you grow a salsa garden? A salsa garden. Yeah, that's that's tomatoes. God God forbid. Green pepper, onion. The crap hits the fan, <laughs> and you get aphids. Well, I'm moving. I'm moving so I can have a garden. <laughs> I just have a small yard. So um, now Kyle sitting across from me has never been to prepper camp. I have not. Yeah, no. and that ticks me off. But um, that is an amazing thing you do. I know, I mean, I've enjoyed it every year. This past year, I had the opportunity to teach a class, which was amazing. Um, I was a rookie, so he got me to teach two classes. <laughs> you know, I would actually be willing to do that. And I, you and I could do a class together. No. Yes. No. <laughs> but we, we could. You, you can do your, your what, what was it, software-defined radio, and I can do waterboarding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You can be my. I apologize, my, Rick. He's not right a lot of times. <laughs> no, that's all right. <laughs> you know, um, though, I will say real quickly because I can remember watching Doomsday Preppers from beginning through pretty much all the seasons. I can remember, you know, Rick yourself and Jane being on, and I know I, I love what you said there because it's so true. That there's they went with like this sensationalist stuff where I even knew a couple of the people who were on there in the first season, and I remember whenever they told me they were going to be on there, I thought, oh my god, no. <laughs> like this is going to ruin prepping for for mainstream mm-hmm. because and and I hate to say it, it kind of did happen off the bat. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, they definitely. I mean, uh, you know, I, I guess I guess I'm doing my penance now because I was a television producer um, for a long time. That was my corporate job, and uh, you know, I understand the nature of the beast, and I understand they're wanting to do ratings, but. Um, you know, it's what we're trying to do is educate, and that's and that's yeah. basically how we came up with with Prepper Camp because, you know, we had done the teaching circuit going all around the country at different convention centers, and you know, five thousand people in these, you know, that are that are butt to butt, elbow to elbow, you know, trying to look at stuff, and it's run by promoters who are looking for, you know, the next big buck and the next craze, and so they're doing prepping shows, not because their preppers or care anything about it because they're trying to make a buck. Mm. And it's all about uh, merchandise and making the vendors happy. And, you know, you go there as an educator, you go there trying to teach people stuff, and you realize that everybody's asking questions even of the vendors trying to learn. And, um, you know, we just got kind of fed up with that whole scenario. And, 
you know, we, we sat back and said, you know, we would like to do an event that we would like to attend. And, you know, one where you can actually do hands-on stuff and you can meet people and you can spend time with the, the speakers and actually, you know, have lunch with them. And um, so we, we kind of conceived the, the whole idea of Prepper Camp, uh, you know, four years ago. And um, we, we hold it now um, in, uh, as Forrest said, um, in Saluda, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, if anybody wants to find out about it, just go to PrepperCamp.com. All the information's there. But basically we have 64 classes a day over three days and um you know you can't possibly see everything and we have the best the best speakers the best people literally on the planet teaching you know their specialty so um great way to learn a lot of stuff fast and uh, also we get some great vendors there too who are who are selling stuff to you know solve people's problems right yeah it, it's and what you said is is, is true is the speakers, when they finish teaching, they just walk around like everyone else. And people, you'll see some, like Alan Kay, I told Kyle, mm-hmm. Alan was there, and Alan's, a, I mean, um, Kyle's a big Alan Kay fan. I mean, we just, I got to know him. I mean, not just talk to him. He was there all weekend. We camped out together. I mean, he was, and we're not beside each other. We were in our little group. He yeah, was in his group. Yeah, it got awkward. <laughs> he had a tent by the sea there. But, um, it is true, and it's it's different when you get to just and camp out the experience. It it was awesome. It, it's it's a great thing you're doing, and um, you know I know you just um, you're a writer as well. You write about uh-huh. your your gardening, correct? Yeah, um, really. It's it's kind of about the entire sustainable food producing system, and I I started with the with the garden and. You know, I hate to use the term permaculture because it's just become such a bastardized term. And, and, you know, that in and of itself has become a marketing term. It really doesn't mean what, what people think it means anymore. It's, but it's basically the way nature's grown things for millions of years. And, uh, you know, without fertilizer, without pesticide, without watering even, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's basically uh, how nature grows things with symbiotic relationships of plants, and um, you know all of this stuff kind of works together. Um, you know, if you just if you just start, for example, with a fruit tree, you know, eventually it it starts out small and eventually it grows tall and it grows out. You know, so it, it has kind of a canopy over time, and underneath that canopy is shade. And there are certain types of plants that do better in the shade than they do in direct sun. So yeah. there are symbiotic relationships there. They share nutrients. Uh, you know, one plant gives nutrients to the other that it doesn't have. And then outside of that um, shade, you've got full sun again. And that's where things like your berry bushes, um, like your blueberries and blackberries and elderberries grow. And then outside of that, so you've got almost this concentric circle around this tree. And then you get another concentric circle that's uh, in full sun again. And that's where your herb layer is, like your, your cooking herbs and your medicinal herbs. And those flower all the time. And because they flower all the time, it attracts the pollinators for your fruit and fruit trees. Uh, mm-hmm. It also attracts yeah. the predatory wasps that will kill the bad bugs that you don't want to have on your fruit and fruit trees. So huh. you've got essentially a defensive perimeter around your fruit. And, um, you know, nature didn't use pesticide. That was nature's natural pesticide. 
and then you've got other plants, you know, interspersed in there that are that are your your ground covers and your nitrogen fixers. And nitrogen fixers are plants that basically pull nitrogen out of the air and put it back in the soil where the other plants can get it. So that is your natural fertilizer, and you know that's essentially, um, you know, we I've been in you know the orchard and uh, vineyard and um, citrus grove business my entire life kind of dabbled in all that stuff and I did everything the way you were supposed to do it and use fertilizer and pesticide and weed killer and uh, I still had scabby wormy fruit just like every other you know orchard guy and um, <laughs> you know I, I realized there was something wrong with this picture and right. you know just using more and more chemicals and spending more and more money just didn't make sense so I went back in time and looked at the way nature did things because as a prepper I was doing the same thing. I was saying, you know, how did these people survive for, for thousands of years without all of these modern conveniences of refrigeration and that kind of stuff? And, hmm. you know, I realized that they essentially were um, were folks that were hunter-gatherers. They had the Neanderthal diet, and so what they could what they could kill and what they could pick off a tree. And, you know, they didn't fertilize. They didn't use weed killer, they didn't use pesticides. So you they don't you don't store around and pick them. You don't store Pardon? seven dust <laughs> to kill uh, them. No. <laughs> okay. No, in fact, oh. uh, in fact I, I have honeybees, I have seven hives and you know they help pollinate my crops and um I kinda look at it like uh, I'm their landlord. I provide them with housing. Okay. Every year I collect the rent. And gotcha. uh, you know, I take some honey and uh, leave them with enough to get them through the winter and um yeah, they they're um, we don't we don't use any of that stuff. And it's you know, as a prepper, as somebody that's concerned about the end of the world as we know it in whatever form it takes, um, you're just not going to have time to be out there, you know, toiling in the soil trying to, you know, get stuff to grow and water stuff. And, you know, then you've got huge security concerns on top of that. So. You know, you, you don't want to have to be looking over your shoulder all the time worrying if somebody's going to shoot you and take your stuff. And uh, the beauty of this whole um, secret garden of survival is it is, in fact, secret because everything kind of grows together. It's not row planting, so no one really realizes you got anything growing there. It looks like overgrown underbrush. Right. It looks like oh, somebody yeah. abandoned the property. And, uh, you know, what you end up having is... is um, you're hiding your food in plain sight, and because you don't have to weed and fertilize and pesticide and even water the plants, um, That's awesome. everything grows the way it's supposed to, and all you do is just go out every day, um, and I literally spend less than an hour. I take a couple of uh, five-gallon buckets with me, and I come back in with six to 12 gallons worth of fruit every single day. Wow. Uh-huh. Hey, and, Rick, uh, let's, um, we need to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Sure. We're okay. with Rick Austin. Um, from the um, um, from prepper, the camp. prepper camp, and the the secret gardener they call him, the secret green uh, greenhouse of survival. He has a ton of books. We're gonna get more into that when we come back. G man, take it Hi, away. this is Ron Paul. I am a former Ooh. congressman, physician, and presidential candidate. The world is in turmoil. Things like Ebola, earthquakes, wars, and famines are commonplace. As Americans, we are largely sheltered from these events. However, in parts of the world, just having enough food is a huge problem. For some of us, there is the nagging thought that we may not always have it so good. So we keep some food on hand just in case. 
My family and I have found a product that helps us do this better. It's a home freeze dryer from Harvest Right. With it, we eat healthier and store a little more food. We freeze dry everything we love to eat, and it lasts up to 25 years. Who knows what the future will bring? One thing's certain, my family and I will always have food on the table. To learn more, go to HarvestRight.com or call 800-923-9591. That's HarvestRight.com or 800-923-9591. Hey, I'm Joe Alton, MD. I'm here to remind you that disasters can happen anytime, anywhere, and you need to know what to do in an emergency. The new 2016 third edition of the Survival Medicine Handbook is the essential guide for when medical help is not on the way. The Survival Medicine Handbook covers every issue you'll face in times of trouble, and it's all in plain English. Get the Survival Medicine Handbook at Amazon.com. I guarantee one day you'll be glad you did. Hey, let's take a quick break. Has your data been hacked? Do you feel uneasy about the vulnerability of your personal information online? Were you involved in the Target, LinkedIn, or Microsoft data leaks? Don't know? If not, then pay attention. Join Forrest Garvin from PrepperNet for a free webinar on privacy and security. Gain insights into safe internet browsing, VPNs, crafting online aliases, secure emails, detecting if your data has been hacked, and managing passwords. Secure your spot today for this webinar on privacy and security. It's free. This webinar delves into comprehensive strategies for bolstering your online privacy. We've got you covered from fortifying your passwords to shielding your financial information and mastering state-of-the-art encryption techniques. We're offering two convenient dates to suit your schedule. Reserve your spot now at PrepperNet.com privacy. Don't let cyber threats erode your peace of mind any longer. Take the first step toward a safer, more secure online experience by joining us for our free webinar. Remember, knowledge is power when it comes to safeguarding your privacy. Sign up now at PrepperNet.com privacy. We'll see you there. Will the government protect your family from Iran and North Korea's newest weapon, EMP? We buy guns to protect ourselves. Home, health, and car insurance for accidents. Maybe you also have food storage. But how would you keep your refrigerator running in a long-term EMP blackout? Using tested military designs, the Solark EMP-hardened solar generator protects and powers your critical appliances for years without burying items underground or wrapping them in aluminum foil. Unlike other preps, Solark is used every day to help offset your electric bill automatically. Visit PortableSolarLLC.com to learn how easily expandable the system is. Solark is the most affordable and powerful solution on the market. The whole system even fits in the back of a pickup or SUV and can install in less than an hour. See for yourself why Solark beats other off-grid systems at PortableSolarLLC.com. Don't wait for the government. Go to PortableSolarLLC.com to learn why Solark is energy insurance for your family. Sweet. Did you hear that Ron Paul... He did a commercial on our show. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now, I have to tell you, I started dying laughing during the commercial because Kyle said, you know, if I had one of them Harvest Right freeze-dried ovens, I would go to Arby's and order a bunch of stuff and freeze-dry I would. I would freeze-dry the sauce, the curly fries. I'd freeze-dry it all. That's not what that's for, man. Hey, you use yours the way you want to. Okay. Okay. You'll see me Arby's, and you're going to be like, hey, Kyle, here's my AR-15. Let me get one of those. 
Hey guys, welcome back. That was just funny during the break. Um, this is the Prepping Academy. We're live on Friday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Check us out on you know iTunes, Stitcher, our podcast. YouTube. You, yeah, we're, we're everywhere. We're, we're everywhere. And tonight we have a special guest. Uh, his name is Rick Austin. He is the survivalist gardener. He's written many books from The Secret um, Greenhouse of Survival, How to Build the Ultimate Homestead, and Prepper Greenhouse. He's been a consultant for Doomsday Castle, Doomsday Preppers. He's been published in many, many, many articles. He does the world-famous Prepper Camp. And he, I, I, Rick, I guess you like to be known for your garden. Is that correct? Well, you know, it kind of started with a garden. People wanted to know how we're doing, what we're doing. Um, and, uh, you know, because I was had such success with the garden, I wanted to be able to kind of use the same principles in my greenhouse. And um, so, you know, what I ended up doing is, is creating a greenhouse where I could grow food year-round. And uh, because I am a, you know, I was, I was a business guy, um, and return on investment is important to me. Return mm-hmm. on investment my time, return on invest my money. You know, if I'm going to spend time and money and energy on something, I want to get the most out of it I can, especially as somebody who's prepared this time. So, you know, I ended up uh, building a, a greenhouse, an engineering greenhouse, where uh, there's this huge thermal mass that's basically concrete uh, blocks that make a planter around the entire thing. You're basically, instead of get on your hands and knees, you can stand up and work on your plants. Um, I can grow four seasons of vegetables in one year because I'm growing stuff year-round. Uh-huh. And my greenhouse uh, heats my hot water every single day uh, oh. with a simple black coil pipe system. Um, I recycle my gray water from my house to water my plants in my greenhouse. And... Um, I use the uh, the solar heated air and the thermal mass in there to heat my home during the winter. Um, so literally, I've you know I have used my wood stove probably less than six times every single year, and that's only after several different cloudy days and stuff. So, um, and not only am I bringing that air into the house, um, you know that's warm. It's also highly oxygenated. Um, so in the wintertime, you don't have that sick house syndrome because I'm bringing. Right. Lots the oxygen from the plants that are given off oxygen, and guess what? We breathe in oxygen, and we breathe out carbon dioxide, and plants breathe in carbon dioxide. So there's yep. a huge symbiotic relationship between my plants and my greenhouse and me. Um, so, you know, we use that to feed our, feed our animals uh, and feed us in the wintertime, and it's also... Um, it's also discreet and hiding in plain sight, too, because it doesn't look like a typical greenhouse. It just looks like a, an add-on porch extension to the home. And uh, as a result, you know, somebody walking by would not think that we have got food growing there. So, um, huh. Oh, yeah, I've seen videos of it. Yeah, I've got all kinds of stuff on YouTube. I mean, all kinds of things on YouTube uh, for the garden and the greenhouse and my latest book was the secret is the secret livestock of survival. So my first book was the secret green, secret garden of survival. Second book, secret greenhouse of survival, and the, the third book is secret livestock of survival. And it kind of uses the same same premises that I want to be able to hide stuff in plain sight. I want to have a high return on my investment. 
So, uh, you know, when most people think about homesteading or prepping, you know, they think about uh, farm animals. The first thing they think is, well, I've got to get myself a cow and a chicken. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, there's almost every reason not to have a cow because um, cows require at least two to five acres of, of cleared pasture for them to be able to produce milk for you. Well, I've got five um, Nigerian dwarf dairy goats that don't even come up to my knee. They don't take up a lot of space. They don't require a lot of space in the barn. They don't. They basically eat off the land. Uh, they'd rather eat leaves. They don't need open pasture, so they're hiding in plain sight too. And I get a gallon and a half of milk every single day out of three girls. Um, but can you make a hamburger patty out of them? <laughs> um, well, I got rabbits, and I can make all, okay. kinds of, all kinds of hamburger patties out of that. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, in terms of return on investment, um, I can get a lot more and a lot better meat out of a rabbit um, when you consider that, uh, you know, with just three does, three females and one male, mm-hmm. you can get 90, 90 full-grown rabbits in a year. Um, that's a lot of meals. Oh, yeah. Especially no. especially when you're talking about a 12-pound rabbit. Um, so, yep. you know, yeah, I do rabbits. So, yeah, I know. No. Yep. No, Rick. If there's a uh, if there's a chance you want to get into some franchising, we can we can turn into uh, maybe like the the rabbit version of Arby's. I mean, we we well, could we could def we could definitely market that for uh, for preppers. But actually, I, you know, we're sitting here talking about this, and I, and I have an interesting question for you. Do you find it odd the social stigma for preppers and gun owners? Whenever a lot of us are probably like yourself, like I, I know I do a lot of companion gardening and, and and try to recycle as much as possible and find alternative uses for things, uh, aren't we kind of like really the ones who are more green and all natural as opposed to everyone else? But there seems to be that stigma towards us. I would say that we are a lot more natural than, um, the, you know, those of us that are doing what, what I'm doing, you know, the homesteading type stuff, definitely. Um and we're a lot more prepared as a result because we kind of know what it actually takes to grow a plant or to raise, uh, you know, a rabbit um, as opposed to trying to do it from scratch or, you know, basically living off of food stores until you run out of food stores and then you die. Um, yep, absolutely. So, you know, I, 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 we are a lot more green, but um, I like to, you know, when, when people kind of pose that question to me and, and um you know, I've I've had I've had lots of liberals love what I'm saying, um, but I say it's not about saving the earth; it's about saving me. Um, <laughs> you know, it's about it's about. So, um, yes. Ultimately, yeah, that's what we're doing. But this is the way this is the way people lived for millions of years. You know, oh, yeah, it's absolutely. Just that it's only it's only recently, since after World War II, that the the petrochemical giants, um, after they couldn't make bombs anymore because they, you know, the war was over. They had to figure out something to do with all the chemicals and infrastructure that they had. And somebody somehow dumped something on a plant outside and realized it grew better. And oh, yeah. the fertilizer industry was born. Yeah. So I'm, that's, I'm, that's incidentally why, uh, why um, terrorists use fertilizer to make bombs because it's the same stuff they made bombs out of in World War II. So, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, and, and as a result, you know, we've had this monocrop mechanized farming and we're using more and more chemicals and are genetically modifying stuff so that we can use more pesticide. And it's 
it's killing us. I mean, it literally is killing us. I and mean, part of my presentation is talk about the very fact that, you know, the, the food pyramid was actually is absolutely upside down. It's, you know, what we've been taught all our lives is to eat the wrong stuff and that we should be eating more meat and more fat and, uh, you know, certainly get away from grains and uh, mm, you know, yeah. breads and that kind of stuff. So, well, I tell you, I can give you a good example right there is I have, a, I have a good friend of mine who's up in North Dakota working at a grain mill I know right now. And for years, everything there was GMO-free and loved his job. And within the past two years, they started dealing specifically with Monsanto. Every person in that that facility developed lung problems and skin problems from their grain. Uh, and, you know, I, I mean, I can't say enough. I mean, a lot of people, they don't you know, want to do the research, but you start talking to them and you, you fill them in on Agent Orange down to glyphosate. And what's in our food supply right now? And I mean, you—it's you, hard to escape it. So it's—it's it's really essential. I—I I, I do find that we're, we tend to be a lot more green, a lot more. I, I almost want to say like hippies in some some areas. <laughs> no, but but I mean, it—it it, it, it kind of is the case. But you know, I'm also curious because I know whenever I started getting into gardening, and I—I I remember coming across your book with the uh, the Secret Garden is part of it being, I was coming across a lot of preppers who had this mindset that they just. They don't need to get food. They're just going to simply go out there and take. And and having it hidden and not obvious, you know, you know, a cleared acre with rows of food is a great thing to have because you don't want people to know you're growing. I'm curious, did you ever – is that kind of what stimulated your thought? Like you, you did you ever come across those preppers who were more so like – I hate saying gun prepper because not all gun preppers are bad preppers, but there were definitely ones that I have come across who were – of that mindset that they would just take from other preppers. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's it, you watch The Walking Dead, you know. I mean, number one show on television. Uh, it isn't the, the zombies that are going to kill you. It's the, it's the worst of the worst who end up surviving. And, you know, there's going to be some good people, and there's going to be really, really, really bad people. And, um, you know, we've... I've always had kind of a military mindset and uh, strategy, and you know, our reason our home is where it is. It's just a place is on top of a mountain. You know, it's the high ground. Um, and yeah, the um, you know having a, a garden that doesn't look like a garden. And, and so, truth be told, you know, most people today can't tell you what uh, what a piece of fruit or a vegetable is unless it's in a package with a label on it. Um, so you know, it's it, it, to see something growing. Uh, you, they wouldn't recognize the plant for sure, and seldom right. would they recognize yeah. the fruit until it was ripe, even even at that. So, um, you know, the fact that I've got something that looks like it's overgrown underbrush, and you know, it's just kind of like, well, nothing to see here. Let's go on to the next house. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that that does concern me. And and the the you know quote unquote gun preppers, as you call them, a lot of those guys say, well, I'll just go out and hunt deer. Well, oh yeah. You know, yeah, every, even every Tom, Dick, and Harry, you're going to end up shooting each other, and there ain't going to be enough deer left. And first of all, you know, when you're talking about deer, um, you're talking about a big piece of, of animal and meat. Unless you get a lot of people to share that with, it's going um, to go bad. a lot of it's going to be spoiled. Yep, so. absolutely. Yeah, um, so you're, you and, and your wife, um, y'all live in a, a great little place up in the mountains. You live on the hill. Do you, do you I mean do you reach out during the rest of the year and and work with other people or train people or do you teach any classes that um um that 
like, you know, like a week class or anything? Have you ever considered doing something like that? Um, you know, we still attend um, and, and speak at prepper conferences, you know, across the, the country, but we never leave our house. Um, you know, we're doing everything by Skype now just so that we don't have to leave and we okay. don't have to, you know, venture out. Um, you know, so many people have asked me, well, can I come take a look at your garden? And I won't tell anybody. And I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, you know, uh, we had a, a, a million-dollar um, errors and, and omissions insurance liability with us as the, um, you know, uh, the payee if that geo – uh, told where we were. So we've had film crews here, you know, from PBS, from National Geographic, uh, Doomsday Preppers, Doomsday Castle. Uh, we even had a film crew here from Galileo Television Program in, in Germany. And, um, you know, so we, we reach people all over the world that way. And, uh, you know, gotcha. instead of giving tours, I, I have a YouTube channel that basically shows you, you know, the difference between a raspberry and a blackberry and how to grow this and how I grew a thousand peaches on one tree without fertilizer and pesticide in one year. Wow. So So I got a question for you to give all preppers hope in your video, you were growing coffee inside your, in your greenhouse. Oh gosh. Uh Coffee. How did that work? Cause I saw you growing it and I never, I'm not sure I caught another video where you actually were, harvesting coffee beans but did you ever harvest coffee beans yeah we and every year in fact we uh you know from that one coffee tree we grew 50 more coffee plants so wow uh, it only takes them a couple of years before they start producing and yeah we've we've uh taken you know coffee cherries off of that and we've uh taken the beans out we've dried the beans we've roasted the beans in fact we did that actually for uh, doomsday preppers we showed them how we could do that they they edited a lot of that stuff out. You see us at the end of the at the end of the show drinking coffee on our pavilion, but that's actually coffee that we made from our coffee tree. Got you. Okay, we do have a question. Well, the first question comes from our producer, G Man, and he wants to know what your thoughts are on the show alone. You know, when Alan was on there and Angry American, mm-hmm. which you, you yeah. know, uh, what's your thoughts of the Alone show? Um. You know, I, I think Alan Kay did a great job. And I, when I watched that show the first year, um, I basically picked out who was going to go first, who was going to go second, who was going to go third, and and I I picked the two guys that that lasted the longest. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> Alan Alan was one of them, and um, you know he had the right. It was the mindset more than anything else. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, the loneliness was the, was the biggest factor, and I think that showed. Uh, more than any, more than anything, how difficult that particular thing was when everybody else was was prepared or thought they were prepared, and um, you know, being wet all the time isn't isn't a great a great idea either. But uh, yeah, that makes it it, it difficult. But um, uh, you know, there's some there's some good woodland survival skills that you learn there, and uh, learn a lot of other stuff too about stupid things people did. I mean, when that woman <laughs> cut herself with with the axe, I'm yes. going. She's holding that thing, and she's cutting it, and literally two seconds later, she slices her arm, and she's out of the show. So um, I think it's good for people to learn stuff not to do, how stupid things, you know, you can do stupid things, and those kind of things are going to happen in a preparedness situation. You're going to get people who have never 
heated their house with wood before, never cooked with wood, um, never split wood, and the time to learn that stuff is before it's a crisis and it's life and death. Absolutely. How many times have I said, because it might sound really awful, but I kind of hope if something major does happen, it happens during the winter because... So everyone will die? I mean, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. I hate, I hate being like that, but I mean, the people who are unprepared right. and, you know, we'll, we'll say, you know, would cause more problems, the, the golden horde, if you will, whatever you right. want to call it. See, I grew I mean, up in the mountains. You kind of grew up in that kind of environment. So yeah. we kind of are used to... Because yeah, I, I, I never want to be put in a situation where I have to be in a confrontation. But I don't wish that on other people. I, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you wish it or not. It, it'll happen. Sorry, Rick. He looks forward <laughs> He looks forward to that day daily, and it's just – I just got to slap him around. You, you know what? <laughs> Until you got that job, you did <laughs> – Well, if, if the election had gone the other way, I, w- I was kind of praying that we'd have an EMP and set the, the playing field level, and two months would be 20% of the people left, but – um, we we yeah. may still have that. We don't. Right. Yeah. Hey, well, um, Rick, we're almost out of time, and so what I want you to do though is give to give you a fair time to. You're you're you've got a lot of ways, a lot of books, a lot of things you're doing, and they. You just, I just need you to take a few minutes and just tell people how to get up with you, how to purchase your books, and maybe some of your new projects as well. Well, um, you can go to my website, which is. SecretGardenOfSurvival.com, SecretGardenOfSurvival.com, and uh, you know from there you can find all of my links. So whatever social media you prefer, whether that's Facebook or Twitter, or uh, you know you want to see my YouTube videos or Google Plus, uh, all of my links are there. So um, you know I, I can be reached and contacted that way, um, and you know also through my website. Um, and uh, the, from the website, you can find the links to the, the books Secret Garden Survival, How to Grow a Camouflage Food Forest, uh, Secret Greenhouse of Survival, and uh, Secret Livestock of Survival. Um, and all of those books are available on hard copy on Amazon, as well as uh, Kindle and uh, on, at Barnes & Noble on, on the Nook format. So you can get all of that stuff there um, and find out more information and uh, you know, there's a lot of videos on my YouTube channel, so you can kind of peruse through that and, you know, really learn a lot and see it, you know, in, with your own eyes and, uh, you know, as if you're there. Because there's a lot, there's a lot more in-depth information you can get from the YouTube um, once you've got the basic knowledge from the books. And in fact, my last book, Secret Livestock and Survival, the entire thing has got links to my YouTube channel to uh, YouTube cool. videos so they can see it, you know just how to build a manger for your goats, you know, using using a railing, uh, a porch railing that you can get at Lowe's for 20 bucks, um, you know, that kind of stuff. So. Gotcha. Okay. Well, we got two minutes left. Guys, um, you need to read this, watch his videos, learn this stuff now before the crap hits the fan. You know what? Real simple, quick question, just so people understand how important it is to grow a garden and get to practice. Rick, how many times did you fail with your garden before you got it right? Um, well, I failed with gardens for 30 years. Um, you know, I, I hated gardening, hated it, hated weeding, hated pulling stuff, hated killing mm-hmm. stuff, uh, hated planting things and having to pick out 
you know, plant three seeds and throw away two. That just seems stupid to me. Right. So, uh, you know, the, the beauty of this was I really did a lot of research and really studied it and uh, read a lot of 400-page books on permaculture and that sort of stuff. And one of the reasons I wrote The Secret Garden of Survival is it really simplifies everything, and it's it's all awesome. in full color so you can see pictures. And I show you step-by-step step how to do it yourself, including how to dig a proper hole, um, you know, to plant the thing in. So. Oh, so you took you took a lot of the hard work out for everybody. So that's why I definitely you, you know, got to read it. Go read to Secret Gardener Garden of Survival. His name is Rick Austin. He is someone that's pioneering this for us. He's pushing the prepper movement. And you, you guys, you got to support people like this. You got to go to prepper uh, preppercamp.com. Sign up for Prepper Camp. That's in um, it's usually in the fall. And um, we, I mean, thanks for being on. Absolutely. We've got like less than Definitely. 15 seconds left, man. That, we just let you talk tonight, Rick, and it was awesome. Well, that was yeah, awesome. And, uh, yeah, as of as of this afternoon, uh, tickets to Prepper Camp went on sale. So oh, we have sold out every single year. And uh, yeah, you got to get, get your tickets fast and get tickets, yeah, because we yep. will we will sell out. Oh, so go, that's PrepperCamp.com. Get your tickets now. They will sell out. That's Rick Austin at SecretGardenOfSurvival.com. Go check his website. We're at PrepperAcademy.com. Check us out. Is there. Guys, good show. Good show. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Rick. Thank you. Thank See you, guys. Today's broadcast has come to you through the courtesy of the Prepper Broadcasting Network. See our hosts, show schedules, archive programs, and more at PrepperBroadcasting.com. Thanks for listening. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bok, bok, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bok, bok, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you could save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your moves. Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com.